Hi, all. This is William Ramsey. William Ramsey investigates on today's show. We have Dr. Hans Uter. You just heard him play the sitar. He has a show upcoming on this Friday, March 8th. And I'm going to play a little bit of a promo for it. It's in New York City. So if you're in New York City, New York, New York, check it out. I'll put a link to the show in the show notes. And we'll go over kind of the tickets where you can buy them. But we're also going to talk about another topic. We did an eight-part series on um, on my show, MK Ultra Music is the Weapon. Very well received. We've moved on to another topic. But I do want to promote his show. And this, I believe, is the singer. So that's a little glimpse of what you would see if you go to the show this Friday, March 8th, 7 p.m. Eastern. And the title of the show is Oneness, Music and Movements, very reasonably priced, $25 each. And it features Utpola Bora as the voice and then Hans Uter. You saw him playing the sitar there in the video if you're watching this on X, YouTube, or Rockfin. And so please go check it out. I'll put a link to the, the, the venue is Thompson Avenue, Unit WS11, Long Island City, New York. And so I will have that in the show notes. So if you're in the area and you want to see some Eastern culture with some dancing and music and singing, check it out. So Hans Uter, welcome to the show. Maybe you could talk a little bit of, uh, more about the show that's uh, coming up on March 8th. Well, it's I think it's going to be a, quite a nice concert. It's It's combining some different experiential different types of music different types of uh uh energies or areas to connect with through music that's not that prevalent and i, I think it's going to be a great concert so i appreciate everybody that can make it out and uh i'm doing lots and lots of events and this is like the this is the one that's probably the biggest event and yet i'm hamstrung by the promotional apparatus now it's it's gonna be great and please come out and uh you know it's gonna be a nice show so that's all there's nothing like live music it really is so much different than listening to it in your home or something you're in a venue where everybody's quiet and uh it's much more intimate and you can actually see the artist and and experience it firsthand so i always recommend people get out too it's it's important to get out you know get out and uh and support the the artist, right? So, you've been busy. You were on kind of a tour, right? Weren't you on a sit tour? Yeah. Well, I actually no. It was uh, about eighty percent guitar stuff. So, uh, I'm mostly just playing with like kind of funk R and B, but pretty you know great musicians. Kind of demanding, actually. You know, real uh, pretty intense uh, type of music. I played in a number of prisons, also. So that was fun. Oh, so I got yeah. 
So I did a little Johnny Cash kind of uh, type thing. Yeah, I did kind of live it, from Folsom Prison. Well, you know the thing about these prisons is that you have to you have to call your stuff. I mean, on the outside, it doesn't look that big. They're huge inside. They're just huge, at least the ones I've been at. And you got to cart your gear all the way. It's like walking through a, a mid-sized college campus or something. But you don't uh, have any roadies, no roadies, huh? No. The it's a yeah, it's it's a good thing to do. I'm glad I'm not in prison. They're super appreciative. I haven't been mobbed. I did make the mistake though of uh, one particular location. They had a guitar they said i i can use a guitar it looks like a great guitar at least it's fender strat like i play but it had plastic strings so the, that's so no one can like oh wow you know you can kill somebody with a guitar string right, quite right. easily so right. these that's, plastic... a, that's like a noted way to, to kill somebody is with <laughs> yeah. a piano wire or something right? yeah wow. so these plastic strings i mean it's interesting that i got to actually try to do a show on plastic strings i it's not something I really wish to encounter again. They're they have a pretty awful tone. They're like bright. They look like day glow, bright orange. But that being said, it's been cool. So just yeah, just it's staying pretty busy with this the, a variety of these different things and uh, working on other projects. So it's uh, right. you know all's well. And so this one's in the big city, New York, New York. So there you go. So people can go check it out. Get some get some culture, oneness, music, and movement. Check it out. But today's show is the title is, and we did that one show just like I mentioned at the intro. The MKL Tour Music is the Weapon. It's all an eight-part series. So I set it aside and people can listen to it. I'll put a link to that as well in the show notes, as well as this show, Oneness Music and Movement. But today he's looking into kind of a new subject: advanced Soviet research on cybernetics, biofield, energetics, and cognitive restructuring is his title. So maybe if you want to do an intro to that, or if you still want to mention anything about the sitar, yeah, or your shows, please do it now. Well, I'll just say something a little bit briefly. So, so especially you know, and as going back into doing a, a variety of type of music for that's my primary livelihood, it, it, really seeing that there are absolutely different types of effects that come through music and also music doesn't necessarily just have to be about shake your groove thing or you know whatever you call it i mean just more of a uh, you know you're going sort of outwards something that brings you to a calmer state and, op and it really opens the mind and also serves a function of almost healing and regrounding um remodulating so with this type of music that i'm doing in new york it's it's on along those those lines so that's why i would uh, appreciate you know, appreciate people coming out and it doesn't mean that you know these types of music are bad but they do affect you and as you become more aware of that you see that this is great entertainment and yet it's depending on what I want to experience in my life or being aware of how this will modulate it and my consciousness, my mind, how it can have effects on, you know, structures and systems in the human body without even me really being aware of it. Just to say, well, I want to see this 
function of music, not just as something that's entertaining, but as something that will bring more uh, to bear in your life and also something that will serve as a just a booster. You know what I mean? People take vitamin supplements. You know, if you listen to classical music and study, they've done many study, many types, you know, so much science on this, um, including with plants. Also, the classical music, it orders your brain. You have better retention. You have uh, better comprehension. You're able to be more efficient and you actually enjoy it. Other types of music disrupts that kind of patterning of your mind, disrupts that level. It, if you're, you know, if you're breaking rocks, you're cutting firewood with an axe, maybe you want to hear something that's real, you know, you know, whatever it may be, some kind of very high energy. But just with the classical music itself, absolutely affects, improves memory, improves overall well-being, intelligence, etc. Sensory aptitude, ability to organize, this, that, just from the music itself. Um, and with the plants, studies have been many of them and very famous, but that you play certain types of music, certain types of, say, rock music, other things, the plants will die. It kills the plants. You play classical music, they bloom. Great. They really... You know, they, they, they take off. And um, so that's just, a, you know, a bit about, I have people ask me the question all the time, and I know this is not really much about music in this particular topic at all, but I, just to, to say that, you know, we take in a lot of inputs into our body and minds that we don't think about, especially under the guise of this is entertaining or this will this will make me feel better. That could include certain, like medications. You take a medication, what's it doing? It's alleviating a system, symptom. It's feeding into a system, systemic pattern, right? So just to modulate what you take in and say, well, this will affect my consciousness. If if I love slasher movies and I'm going to watch a slasher movie, I may enjoy it, but what is that doing to my mind, my consciousness, my endocrine system it has an impact it doesn't mean you need to freak out doesn't mean you can't even enjoy that but be aware of it and if it's not something you wanted that what's the optimal thing do you want to waste your time or even if you're going to have entertainment or something do something that's going to be revivifying that will make you more healthy more whole more grounded more present, more relaxed, and removing some of this invisible conditioning that sort of girds us. We, you know, and this is what I'll, I think. Hopefully, I'll be getting into in this this brand new topic. So it's a new. Uh, there's like a lot of material. I'm just kind of putting it together, but let's dive in. Yeah, but it makes me think of like Altamont. Like we've talked about Altamont. And the negativity of that music and how it had an effect. And I always think of uh, what is it? Uh, what's the place where they had in upstate New York where they grouped and there was one and two? It was Woodstock. Woodstock. So Woodstock one was relatively peaceful. People were drugged out and stuff like that. But Woodstock two, they had all the super aggro music, and it like devolved in like the end of the Joker. <laughs> People were burning everything down and all that stuff. So it, I think it just kind of proves your point. Music is a powerful messenger of good and kind of bad energy or sound sonic energy, I guess. Yeah. And really, as we get into this topic, sort of, uh, 
see how much I, how far we go. I everything I've been doing is basically just physical sources, and I'm just writing notes on legal pads. So I, and it's I'll turn it into this uh, a more at least in terms of the PowerPoint. But eventually, towards the end, we'll look at some of these developments that really tie everything together that allow for an understanding of energies of interpersonal energies, even of different types of forces and, you know, technologies and connections or disconnections within the individual, within the entire social system. That's really, it creates a scientific background to understand everything I'm talking about very clearly, but also is grounded. It's called, um, uh, uh, social safety, basically, which is the thing. It's a, it, it's a interesting philosophical concept, which I'll get into, which is sort of a, it, it shows, it, it demonstrates that there is something of value to look into this, both from the negative side and, and the positive side. So we'll, uh, we'll dive into this, uh, uh this dimension here and sounds good and, and just for people to note like the soviets and the russians were very advanced like pavlov was so influential on modern psychology and this is like the 20s and 30s if not the turn of the century so you know some people may think like they're not as sophisticated maybe that's not the case it, well that's there's a lot of uh, misinformation or disinformation or whatever the new term is, you know, used for this. But the fact is that before the Russian Revolution, you had a tremendous amount of prosperity, tremendous, you know, huge gross domestic product, uh, product uh, almost no crime, a very high trust society. And this has been uh, distorted. But, as we'll get into this, the important thing about Russia or USSR or this contiguous multi-state region, which is what it really is, and it has been, you know, from the beginning, it's neither, so you can look at Western sort of scientific materialism, this empirical framing, everything is material. This ties in of course, to the global brain, which is the new initiative, the global brain initiative. This is all connected with that. But the, the whole area that we are able to experience, encompass or not, and the degree to which not only is culture manipulated, but the degree to which that we lack basic understandings of how we actually function and what we actually are. This is really important. So you can try to fix a system, but if you're trying to change, say someone has a psychological issue, whatever it may be, maybe they're, they're whatever, just pick, pick your, particular condition but a lot of that is going to be based on recurrent thought structures you just talk about your thoughts you're never going to change it if this is happening physiologically right this is, is a neurophysiological 
system or syndrome. If you're just trying to use verbal discourse, talk about what's happening, say this, that, get some, it's not going to change anything. It may have mild changes, but it's really not going to change the fundamental system because it's operating in a different dimension that can easily be accessed. But if you don't know what is actually going on inside of you, what you actually are, what is you know, what is the totality of you as a human organism, not you as, you know, your, you know, name, identity, you know, whatever. But this, the lack of this basic knowledge that when it becomes clear, it's very clear. And it, 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 I think it's a fundamental importance and this really hardcore scientific stuff as we go through and look at this, I'm going to try to show the parallel between what is going on in the United States or Western Europe and what is going on in the USSR. And you'll see uh, almost like a dance, like an inverse mirroring. Okay. And as things are being left out or things brought in, look at psychology became completely all these, you know, wonder, maybe wonderful theories, gestalt, you've got Kleinian analysis, you've got, you know, neo-Fordism, you got cognitive, da-da-da. But all these things, what? They're based on verbal narrative. The, and they're also based on models or belief systems about the human mind. They're all theories. They don't, we do not really understand the human mind or the human brain, period. Whatever they say, it is not mapped. It these are which greater or lesser degrees of truth, but they're maps or models, right? The really hardcore research was done. Luria, Pavlov, you know, many other scientists in the 1920s. We could look at the the International Physiologist Conference. We look at these international physiology conferences. We look at the neural research, things like that. But what they were doing was based on actual scientific data and actual results and based on underlying foundational mechanisms. Okay. I don't know if this makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, I, I did a show with uh, Joel Dinsmore. He had a book, Dark Persuasion. And when the first section was about Pavlov, Pavlov was financed by Stalin and Lenin. And he, they, in, in St. Petersburg, I guess it became Lenin, Brad, right? Um, but they, or Stalingrad, but they had 250 people working there. So it was like a huge, like almost a medical facility or hospital size of well, just doing psychological research. This was really, really advanced. And another thing is that there's two specific areas where I, the West or what we call the West, which I'll get into that also with all these subversions of various organizations and, and societal structures. But the in Western research, there was a very reductionist empiricism. And there's also a, which just means you're reducing the everything to a very limited common denominator, but it's, 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 
it's extremely narrow focus and you're also disregarding all kinds of other phenomena and you're also limiting everything to just a very localized or isolated subsystem and not seeing the overall effect so you can affect the pancreas you can have certain effects on the 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 thyroid the parathyroid you have effects on the limbic brain you have effects on pulse rate you know uh, blood vessel dilation you have all these different things these can all create psychological states but they're predicated upon the physical systems and these reductionists but the actual research there are replications like we look at all the psychological experiments like stanley milgram right but this there was a, a but psi phenomena like but not just in a bracketed off space like men who stare at goats there it's not integrated because you have to you have to really you can't hang on to either a this very very narrow reductionist approach and you also can't hang on to b these bs mental construction theoretical approaches and some of them may not be bs but the, you know there's so many things, identity therapy, this, that. I mean, God knows. These are all just, they're just ideas. I can come up with lots of ideas. We all have great ideas, but it's just a system, and it's also a a method of conditioning the individual to see if you just use a Freudian approach to your mind, what are you going to think you are? If you're just using it, you're just a, a bunch of... Um, you know, randomly collected cells that came from some amoeba or piece of plankton, which is Darwinism, which is, you know, Darwinism and Marxism are intimately bound up. They're almost the same thing. And interestingly enough, Karl Marx, the first edition, first publication, he mailed it to Charles Darwin. With, really, I yes, didn't know that. Yes, wow. and the inscription, which this is, I'm not surprised uh, from from memory. It, it's not. This could be. Well, this is not the exact whatever it is, but it basically said, "Without your work, this I I never could have begun." Wow. I hope you appreciate this offering to the great master, or so you know, of those oh, wow. along those lines, but. Wow. So these are the systems of which we will get into this, uh, this particular polit political party in Russia that ended in 2009. We'll get into that towards the end. This is really interesting. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing model or system. But anyways, this if you believe in the theory of evolution, first of all, everything is material. Everything is random chaos. You have no specific purpose. You're just a biological organism. Fight or flight, the will to power, the will to dominance, you know, conflict of the species, natural selection, social Darwinism. But everything is mechanistic and deterministic. Great example. You take a watch apart. Does that watch self-assemble into another functioning Rolex? No. It's just going to be a bunch of parts. It's going to sit there. Do you ever see anything? Okay. I'm, I'm going off on a, on a tangent there, but this is an example of, of some of these, these um, conceptual limitations. But the important thing with Russia was, you know, it's very prosperous. 
Um, but also it was, um, it, it was, it has that unique for the outward directed scientifically based Western materialist cultures and the inner, inner journey, so to speak, looking at the spiritual side, focusing inside, not outside of Asia, right? Or the East, quote unquote, Russia is neither gives a very powerful perspective, but also has been subject to tremendous amount of, of, of violence that we could only imagine. So anyways, I'll leave it there. But well, I just found like a link is an academic paper says the context between Karl Marx and Charles Darwin. So it just says they became aware of each other in indirect and, and direct ways. The history of their relations has been told differently and only in part. So this, this paper goes into it. I, I can't see the whole thing, but uh, looks interesting. A lot of people don't know that at all, right? I mean, it, they never met, but right there you say they live 20 miles away, but they never met. How do we know they never met? Well, good point. You know, yeah. how do you you're just making the statement? Right. This article even admits this is what we know, right? This is what we know now. But it seems like uh Marx knew Huxley. So if he knew Huxley, he knew Darwin, right? And you got well, and of course Charles Darwin's grandfather, Erasmus Darwin. So they were this is the 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 social conditioning, the, really setting the stage, but coming from this idea of the you know, eugenics, British eugenics, uh, which ties right into the Soviet Union and these other other elements. So yeah, let's just hit the PowerPoint. Let's move in and see what I what I pulled together. Sounds good. You do the next slide. Okay. Um, so just like I said, it's a new topic for me. I'm sort of a, a challenge. I'm not, I know what I know, but I haven't really formulated. So this is going to be a little bit of just going through this. So it should hopefully be of interest. Um, as we said already, unique and important research done in USSR and Russia. Um, no limitations of human subjects. No limitations on human subjects, including children. So you can do types of experiments that you could do in a clandestine way in the United States. Right. You could do in certain types of but you couldn't do this long time observation. You couldn't do you couldn't integrate into their schools and just apply this stuff to, you know, what I mean, you couldn't do it. And there's a lot of stuff Pavlov did with kids. It was just really that's how we went from dogs to children. You know, and so this is and we're looking at electrical chemical signal processing like Luria. So anyways, okay, advanced research psychopolitics. So psychology of the political, everyone's probably seen that Yuri Brezhnev uh, interview. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've yeah. watched it like three times. Yeah, and I've, I, the one thing about him, which is he's quite interesting. I, I could never, there's like, I could never get any really detailed more information besides what was related in the, in the, in those, those shows. But that's just one example. That's a psychopolitics. That's, one level, but really being able to to under understand this and, and to see that the self generating nihilistic attitude, nihilistic perception, right, creates this 
complete social collapse, which we can we're witnessing right now in the United States, obviously, um, in, in a pretty advanced manner. But yeah, go ahead. Well, there's Bezmanov right here, like died at 53. But yeah, he's got a history. He defected. Disillusioned with the Soviet system. Came, went to Canada. Yeah. yeah. But his his uh, discussions are very, they're like academic. They're scholastic, you know, scholarly. It, just a kind of a fun fact about, about him is that when he decided to defect, do you know how he defected? He became a hippie. He no, he, he blended into the hippie subculture and it took him a while to get out, but he had to go through this like underground thing and he had to become a hippie and he was not a hippie, right? He was, I mean, he was the opposite of a hippie, but this is how he managed to disappear and escape. And, and so it's, it's uh, kind of a funny story, but yeah, he, um, wow, but, interesting, uh, interesting. Yeah. But this that's an example of just a, a small taste of, you know, the psychopolitics of really how to make massive changes in, in very subtle, sometimes very direct, but in ways that have tremendous impact and how to do it across a whole array of different cultural structures social structures, media, education, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, it's quite, quite powerful for sure. So there's all life no in doubt. India. Yeah. But just like the sophistication of the Russian kind of uh, spies and things like that was always top-notch, like their whole psychological operations so against countries all around the world, capitalism, things like that is really something else. Like they know how to destabilize. Well, the CIA is good at it too, actually. But a lot of the the, the residents, the citizens, the hoi polloi, hoi polloi, don't realize these elements of psychological warfare that are being used against them. Maybe they sense it kind of liminally, but it's interesting to see a guy like lay out the, the blueprint like Be Bezmanov did. Yeah, well, it is that sense of the sense of really what he unless there's other literature i you know i tried to watch you know most of the videos it was mostly once you've got the main points that i didn't get it really an expansion of that but it it's really it's emotional it's it's an emotional cognitive cognitive and semantic in that it's a way of getting how you get meaning what's your meaning processing right how do you process words and images? How are these? How are these being valenced or spun? So it's done very specifically, and we're looking at information, so to speak, which ties ties into cybernetics theory. Information being what's being conveyed. It could be a, a, a show. It could be a movie that's very prominent that has this sense that it's a you know america is a dying empire it's a decaying culture people are evil it's all war we're global warming we're all gonna die we're gonna die from swine flu we'll die from this or that it's but also behind that the fear is a sense of just give up it's hopeless 
or help to destroy this evil system <laughs> as a more right. extreme. Right. I mean, how much how much of that is a component of left leftist thinking now, right? I mean, isn't that it? Like this whole thing is over, and you know, let's work to undermine it. Oh, absolutely. It just as a, a footnote or an aside, the if you look at the CIA though, what they did, what they do, they destabilize things, but it's usually pretty blunt and pretty obvious once you know to look for, and it's very instrumental. Like we want this done, we'll do it within this period of time, and it's going to be, and a lot of times it really involves funding factional militias. You can look at all the color revolutions. Yeah, they, they there was some you know, media, social conditioning going on, but done in a pretty rapid fire way and done towards immediate, immediate directed action and done with many, many different types of agents, including people that are kinetic, that are doing bombings, that are doing disruptions, that are paid protesters, et cetera, et cetera. It's like the Chile overthrow, 73 Allende yeah. overthrow is very rapid, kinetic, right? Shocking. I would use that example. And in terms of the United States, we're looking at something completely different, right? You're looking at something that's going over the long term. While there may be things happening here and there, there may be some, you know, look at the look at the weather underground, man. Bill Ayers, I mean, they you want to talk about actual terrorists. They set off bombs in the Pentagon. They had bombings that killed people. They were talking about poisoning water supplies of major cities and literally killing tens of millions of people and not talking about it like one of the FBI sting operations with some either right. mentally ill jihadist right. guy works in a gun, bunch of guys that work in gas right. stations. Agent provocateur. Yeah. They were really in it. Chase Boudin, who was like this horrible prosecutor in San Francisco, his parents went to jail for killing a Brinks armored car guy while they were robbing him. You know, that's what well, they were revolutionaries. Well, they, they, like the, uh, there's an interesting interviews or a couple of interviews with this guy who was a, undercover agent in the weather underground for like a couple decades right and what he describes and he says these are not these are people with phds these are people from harvard yale princeton you know these type of institutions and these are people that are very pragmatic goal-oriented and absolutely ruthless so when they say we want to killed this many people in these major cities they mean it and they have the means and ability to do it yeah no he talked airs talked about we got to get rid of a third of the population of the united states he has that recorded in audio or something like that like some crazy amount like that's what they were considering You're like oh yeah we got to get rid of all these guys but but look at this guy like this guy was you have other people there's lots of people that have been there's a lot of political prisoners in America, some on the left, many on the right, whatever you want to say, many of whom are absolutely innocent. Okay. At least it, they're not innocent of ideological thought crimes or this or that, but they are innocent of stuff like Bill Ayers did, who became a highly respected member of the community, no jail time, went underground, 
how did he stay underground for that long? You know, there were right, obviously, yeah. So we'll go into that. He was, but, he was protected. He was protected. So was Ayers, and wasn't it? What was his uh, female sidekick? I oh yeah, her, yeah. Uh, season of the Fork, whatever she said. Uh, she was influenced by Manson, actually. She said that. Well, it's, and, uh, Bernadine Dorn. Bernadine Dorn. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, you know, the thing is that part of this systemic thing, and this is outside this topic, but I'm looking at these sort of historical things, incidents, the way things are brought together, where particular traumas are revisited. Oppenheimer movie, revisiting nuclear war, revisiting the atomic test sites, revisiting the road of death, the highway del morte, right? The highway of death that ends at the Trinity site. The, the highway of death that was built in 1857, by Beale, the the uh, colonel, in, you know, in the army, and they they this Masonic architect dude put this gates of death, you know, on this high. This is an ancient road. It became, uh, I I forget that it's not Route six six six. I don't think or Route sixty six, but it is it is it became an actual road and et cetera. Anyways, let, let me let me get back on uh, on point here. So oh, by the way, just one more point. Ayers and Dorn were the Legal guardians of Chesa Boudin, who like took ah. part in destroying San Francisco with his crazy, stupid ideas, and uh, I got recalled. Like people said, this guy's a loop, looped. I mean, he's actually actually super smart academically. His academic career is like first rate, but ideas put in practice—that's the real problem with the left and all their ideological claptrap. Is like you actually put it into practice, it doesn't work. Well, these guys—the thing is that that's there's people that have done really nothing to, you know, put up flyers or, you know, been set up. I think even, um, you know, some of these people, Mumia Abul Jamal, as I've learned more, I don't know, maybe he is innocent. Leonard Peltier, who I no. met as, as a child. Mumia Abu Jamal is not even close to being innocent. Okay. This is... I've looked at that case. It's complete nonsense. He was caught with a gun. He admitted he did it. He shot the guy, the cop over like a traffic ticket. You know, it was crazy. It's, he deserves to be in jail. Like this, that's another left. I mean, right wing has its own kind of phantasms, but that's like a left wing. This guy's oppressed when he was the real oppressor. He kills, kill a cop. You're an oppressor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But so there you go. But the way it's framed. But look at Bill Ayers. I mean, the guy is a professor. No jail time. He actually probably killed many people or ordered people. They did many bombings. There was, you know, they, they and they had, yeah. they had affiliated sub organizations, and they were real militants, and they, they were, were real militants, and they, they were responsible. By the way, interestingly enough, one of their raids on an FBI office exposed to the world the Coin Cointel program. It was because they got in and got those paperwork that we know the FBI was involved in so much naughty, dirty stuff. But uh, yeah, they were involved in all kinds of stuff. They were on the run. They got Leary out of jail. They were responsible for that, so jailbreaks and all kinds of stuff. They were in Algeria with Leary, so like he had direct connection with Bernie. Really, Storm. that I did not know they're connected. Yeah, because the Leary and Algeria is, is so it's very important, at least in terms of the you know other dimensional sort of right. Other the Crowley connection is no doubt because Leary is in. Uh, for people who don't know, he was in the oasis of Busada like Crowley. And he stated, I show that in my book, Children of the Beast, where he says, 
the synchronicities between my life and Crowley are incredible. And he really recognized him as carrying on Crowley's work. There's no question about it. Yeah. No, Larry was channeling, was, it was completely admitting that with the right, if Lucius, 1905, is, you know, with Larry, where he fed people mushrooms, magic mushrooms. They think they're, they're, and again, it's using entertainment as ritual working. So, and, but what is Leary's philosophy? Turn on, tune in, drop out. I mean, what, what is that? It, it's, you get a high, you get some kind of a state from a drug. Is What is that doing? Is that, is that making any changes? Is what's so cool about having like freaking out and having hallucinations? Is that really cool that you're, 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 you're psychotic. You're having delusory disorders. You're hallucinating things. Now, maybe you get some spiritual state from the psychedelic. Well, if that spiritual state is real, that can and must be and should be obtained through your own life and through becoming more healthy, becoming more purified, becoming more connected through divine grace, whatever it may be, not by popping a pill. Right. He's but, like the original pill popper. And that's kind of what people complained to him about. He said, he actually said, this is the, like LSD is the super highway to spiritual enlightenment. So he sold all this drug. He was the Johnny Appleseed. He turned it into a spiritual event instead of just being high as a kite, you know? So he was the one who kind of put the new age spin on it. Like you're attaining salvation through LSD or whatever. And guy was a total garbage head at the end of his life. Leary was just on all kinds of drugs. You can see him in some of his speeches. He's clearly coked up. He's coked up to the gills. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a very funny thing he does with super primitive virtual reality. And this is around, which would be actually be interesting. We were doing that stuff for like the dead and all that, you know, so this around, I think it's a little bit before that, but the way he puts it on, he's like, you could probably look up that clip on YouTube, but he, I don't, some things I've seen a long time ago, I, I don't want to exaggerate it, but it, it's, it's pretty entertaining actually, <laughs> you know, especially with the, uh, the level of the virtual reality, you know, in the early nineties, late eighties or whatever, you know, it's like, did you find a, a now, let me see if I can find that clip. But like some of these, he's just total. Like there's a clip of just high as a kite. He's giving a speech. I don't know if it's the Christian minister, but there's the one where this is the one where he famously says, this is the one. It won't show up, yeah. Carrying on the work of Crowley. Well, what you see with, you know, both Leary and Hugh Hefner have sort of a, a similar physiognomy almost, right? They're, they're yeah. because in a certain way, they, they're not, you know, they're not the rulers. They're not in charge of everything, but they have an important role and they relish their role. 
I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. As change agents, as counterculture figures. Hefner's carrying on Kinsey, right? So they're both kind of in this kind of like pushing society forward type thing. Well, this whole thing also of counterculture, this, you know, as we go into this topic, we'll see that, look at that term, counterculture. It's not counter uh, oppressive you know, socioeconomic systems, it's counter culture. Culture is what? Culture is the whole system and structure of embedded, embedded uh, uh, values. You know, it's, so you do counter culture, you're going to end up with nothing. Right. I mean, it kind of was, it was like a, it's turned out to be very destructive, I think. Timothy Leary give, gives the CA full credit for starting the counter culture movement. I mean, that's even more sinister. I don't know if he's high here, but there's one where I got to find this clip of him. Maybe I have it in my, in my art. But he's like such a, he, he just looks like an actor in like a B, B sci-fi movie. Hello, I am Rithylon from the planet. And, and notice it. Right, there yeah. are all those UFO cults, right? With people yeah. that acted just like Leary, even look like Leary. You so know, it's pretty wild. Like he's friends with Robert Anton Wilson. He's got the whole panspermia concept. He's, you know, he's just got all kinds of strange things about his ideas and stuff. Illuminated, uh, hanging out with Burroughs. Let's see if I can find his high as a kite clip. I'm not. Yeah, do you know that he had? Uh, do you know that he had a uh, face job? Like he was, he was vain. Like he, he wanted to make sure he looked good, like for his role. So he had plastic surgery. Okay. Yeah. Here's, here's something from my files. I got something between him and Bernadine Dorn. This is a letter. September 15th, 1970. This is the fourth communication from the Weather Underground. The Weather Underground has an honor and pleasure of helping Dr. Timothy Leary escape from the POW camp at San Luis Obispo, California. Dr. Leary was being held against his will and against the will of millions of kids in this country. He was a political prisoner captured for the work he did in helping all of us begin the task of creating a new culture on the barren wasteland that has been imposed on this country by Democrats, Republicans, capitalists, and creeps. LSD and grass, like the herbs and cactus and mushrooms of the American Indians and, and countless civilizations that have existed on this planet, will help us make a future world where it will be possible to live in peace. We are now at war with MI5 and North Vietnamese, with Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine and Al-Fatah, with Ron Brown and Angela Davis, with all black and brown revolutionaries, the Soledad brothers and all prisoners of war in American concentration camps, possible the destruction, make possible the destruction of U.S. imperialists. Our organization commits itself to the task of freeing these prisoners of war. We are outlaws. We are free, Bernadine Dorn. And a lot of people got out of that. Those movements that were yeah. guilty of real crimes, slap on the wrist, and not only slap on the wrist, but social prestige, wealth, prominence, fame. Um, it, and one last thing, just since we're talking about uh, LSD, is that, or these psychedelics, is that you, okay, you can go out and have a beer. You can even. Of course, fentanyl is a little bit different or all these pill mills where people are dying outright. But, you know, you can probably do coke a couple times. You won't. You, of course, I'm not, I'm not recommending this. I'm saying, OK, cannabis, whatever. But the thing is, with these psychedelics, there is a risk that. Yes, you can. What I'm saying, you can physically die. 
right, from certain substances. But what other substance has a risk of permanent psychosis or permanent mental damage damage just from once? Okay, maybe it's a small percentage of the population, but it's not that small. Right. And many people. And if you follow this pathway, the likelihood of something like that happening increases for what, you know? Okay. Anyways, go. Well, here's the, here's the clip that mentions Crowley. You should be able to, the people listening should be able to hear him. I I can hear it. Okay. Well, I've been an admirer of Aleister Crowley. I think that uh, I'm carrying on much of the work that, uh, he started uh, over 100 years ago, and I think the 60s themselves. You know, Crowley said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. There it is. And then I found the one where he's high as a kite. Do you want to see it? Yeah, Hold sure, please. Here. Okay, let's see. Let's bring it up. He is absolutely high as a kite on this one. Let's get this removed. Present. Share screen. No, that's not it. I have to share the video file. Then the audio goes through. Timothy Lira, Leary at the nightclub. Please allow me to represent myself to you. Watch. I practice a most peculiar and risky profession. <laughs> um, I'm a genetic robot. Uh, the DNA code, that's the biological intelligence, has wired me, fired me, inspired me, wound me up to stand up in front of people and say out loud the things that you intelligent people think but are too intelligent to say out loud. Uh, now, um, with due uh, praise to the shady lady profession, I like to think that um, my profession is one of the oldest and most honorable in human history. The first thing we have to do is we have to stay as high altitude as possible. <laughs> so, so that we can look down at Rome and at Athens and at London and at Washington, D.C., ha-ha. <laughs> And uh, then, when the moment is right, at that trembling membrane moment when the present meets the past and the future, we zap down to a place like this, and um, we tell you exactly what's going to happen, we tell you things that nobody else will allow to tell you, and we get out of town before we get busted. (laughs) Now, here we have a map of uh, the world which shows that for the last 4,000 years, You know this to be true. Civilization, freedom, intelligence, genetics has been moving in an unbroken line from east to west. And you'll notice that California is being split off here. I don't know how much you want to hear this, but he's, to me, he's pretty clearly uh, on something. He's completely whacked out. He's doing like a low rent Neil Diamond type of uh, or elvis you know he's got the jumpsuit yeah. he yeah. thinks sees himself as he is intoxicated with his own fame and the right. power he has over the audience and he's just a yeah he, he's not he's just he's giving you the excuse to just to be high just, all the time and think right. you're 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 becoming some uh you know, angel. You know, if you look up 
there's a I did see there's a uh, hour and a half documentary. I just pulled that up. It's it's leery. It's LSD and virtual reality. Huh. And so I have not seen that, but but he's a big, huge promoter of the global brain of virtual reality of of what right? Yeah, we could do a full show on him. I've got the video. I just found it. The video of him promoting the early internet, like he was kind of a forward thinker, kind of like Arthur C. Clarke, actually, where they're like, "This is the future. We I, we can sense the future through this thing." Well, this is psychopolitics, right? Yeah. This is introducing ideas over a long span of time, right? Through science fiction, very important. Marvin Minsky from the uh, cybernetics, you know, whatever neuroscientist, he talks about science fiction, how important science fiction is. But he also says in this interview that Siri was developed in the 1970s. Wow. We AI just talked has- about Minsky. We did a show with Sean McCann. I did a show with Sean McCann and Minsky popped up. So okay. it's the second time. Minsky connected to Kubrick, connected to Clark, connected to Epstein, actually. Mm-hmm. Not in a good way. All right, where is he? I had this one of Leary with this. He's like on a computer. Crazy. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if I can find it. Well, for people that are just listening, I mean, Leary is the just over the top legs spread all over, you know, his he's doing the rock star. He's acting like a rock star. It's a rock star, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but he has that, like kind of that hedonism, the decadence, and the total control. But anyways, uh, so I'll continue with that first slide here. So psychopolitics, and that's that's actually some examples of that, right? It's politics by other means. Um, film, music, media, a lot of very interesting uh, research and in, in, in development of cinema, and like Eisenstein, this uh, this example, uh, film form, I may come into this, but really interesting breakdowns of how film affects the mind and stuff like that. It, it pretty uh, advanced understanding. Some of this relates to yeah the music, but also there's a lot of people promoting this stuff in the West. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look in the Leary, we might find connections with him as well, because the weather the weather underground certainly did, you know. Okay. Human biofield. This is what's, uh, we'll get into that towards the end of this, however long this, this goes, but the human biofield is a, it's a very powerful, I think it's an understanding. It's not a imposition, but it, it it's a, a, the whole interconnection of the human being with the environment, with the entire earth itself with all other systems with you know explaining a lot of these different things that have been relegated to airy fairy um new age whatever circles right so that this is quite interesting um so group dynamics uh group dynamics really understanding group dynamics creating groups creating percentages in a population that will steer the entire population it's very powerful. You know, you get a certain percentage of people that are, you know, espousing a particular type of behavior and ideology, and they're connected. You can make that spread out to much wider portions of the society. Look at 
the corona corona thing, right? I mean, that's an example of where ultimately, really, it's imaginary, right? Do you see people actually dying on the street? Is it like the plague? I always brought up that Monty Python thing, you know, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. It wasn't, but in the mind, everyone, you know what I mean? So this is Leary and the Grateful Dead. You'll get a kick out of this. Oh, cool. The human being of uh, 1967. He's back. And uh, Leary section. Weird, Bob Weird. There's Jerry. Where's Leary? Come on, Tim. He shows up somewhere. I think he might be on stage with him. This is like a seminal event. 67, Haight Ashbury. That guy looks familiar, isn't that? Is that Brad Jones? Come on, I know Leary's in here somewhere. I thought he was in here. I guess not. There's. Look how psychedelic this is. I thought this was a Leary clip, but it is an interesting timestamp. I can't. Well, one, one trying thing to, to like convert something yeah one thing to note in that though, the people except for the few ecstatic faces that who for all we know could be actors maybe not but they look most people they look like almost zombies you know you, you don't really see this it's like they're all under a trance they're not they're kind of lifeless don't you think yes you look at the audience they're, they're walking yeah. around, i mean they're not full of vivacity and energy that's creating this new world there. Maybe they're tripping out on their own heads or just, um, and you can see the music. It has that kind of almost stagnating effect. You know, it, it creates a very closed field or a system. So, and this is one thing that's very important to, to gather and which is obviously you know, related to this topic is that the, a lot of this rebellious music of freedom, the rock itself was is a product of this industrial culture. So you're not really, it's like you're not getting out of society. You're not getting out of the mental programming. You're in a little kid's romper room and you're still in the building. And maybe you're down in the basement of, of the building, but you're not out of the building. No way. Leary, it's like you don't mean to think about it. It's like Leary has an office, you know, down in the basement. You go hang out with Leary, and then you go into your romper room, and you're just bouncing around in your own head and think you're actually doing something in the world. And, anyways, so no, you're right, you're absolutely right. But okay, group dynamics and then mental and physiological restructuring. So this is, I've alluded to that already. So yeah, we had a lot of the like. Pavlov and Luria and, and many other people and also John Lilly looking at how his research is, is offshoot so you have certain things you know that are interplaying we'll, we'll get into that later but but uh, with the cybernetic system theory with the current global brain I think we can trace it 
including the decline of America and the West as in its totality to a lot of these, these things. So I agree. agree. Let's see. Let's see if I can bring up this file with Leary in front of a computer. Let's see. EF, where is it? Evolution of intelligence. I guess it's not here. Let me know where it is. Cancel. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Let me see if I can get this to load up. E-A-B-C-D. There it is. Okay. This is Leary, like, in front of a computer. Can you hear that? Yes. My name is Timothy Leary, and I'm a philosopher and a scientist. But I should uh, abbreviate or punctuate that by saying I'm a humanist, philosopher, scientist. That is, I think that the human spirit is the key to evolution and knowledge. And the theme of my work in my life is the evolution of intelligence. Now, that distinguishes me from those philosophers and scientists who believe, for example, that, uh, oh, humanity can't evolve very quickly. It takes millions of years to change or that the golden ages were in the past uh, in Rome or in Greece or when some religious leader walked the earth. I... You can kind of see his similar shtick, right? From the talk show to this kid's, like, he brings up Rome and Greece and the ancient civilizations. I believe that uh, <clears throat> human intelligence is evolving very quickly, particularly these days. And I think that everyone in this room, in our lifetimes, can go through as many changes and metamorphoses and mutations as the the uh, butterflies go from cocoons to caterpillars to beautiful colored high-flying creatures obviously uh we have to have importance cannot see this is him in front of a computer today the most important tool for self-growth and independence of thought is the personal computer in my lectures i use history anecdote illustrations from pop culture, social satire, and the cleansing power of intelligent laughter to prepare students for the information age. In my lectures and in question and answer periods, I introduce the audience to new programs which convert personal computers into machines for self-development. These programs, called headwear, encourage independent thinking, they expand consciousness, and they produce higher levels of imagination. They are powerful, they are safe, and so far, they're still legal. Space is one of the futures. So that's just him, evolution of intelligence, yeah. You know, what's, uh, it, it's interesting is that Jerry uses the same argument. He says that virtual reality is the next LSD. Use it before it's made illegal. The man wow. will try to stop us from going into virtual reality. The man's going to stop you. So it's like if you imagine the house, whatever metaphorical institution I have for, say, American social structure, and you you can be on certain floors, you can go down the back alley, but if you think you're escaping, you're running out the basement exit, and you get leery, and then, oh, you got this, that. Maybe you go into some kind of weird occult stuff, or maybe you end up at the virtual reality room. That's at the That's probably the lowest... You know what I mean? Face like you're. Right. Where are you? Virtual reality. 
How is this increasing your intelligence? It's atrophying your intelligence, right? You can create virtual realities if, you know, higher level mind people, you know, with the higher, higher uh, abilities of visualization or other things like that. These are abilities that we have without any, you don't need to have a machine to do it. In fact, the machine is, is, is intrusive, but anyways, so, uh, but yeah, this is a, 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 it's interesting to see Larry because information age, right? This, this idea information, like the show, the prisoner, have you seen that show? I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it in a while though, but I need but that, to miss number seven or whatever his name was. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, um, the prisoner where he's taken and kidnapped and held on this Island and it's everything. It's a total surveillance state. He goes through all these dis- different iterations where he thinks he's escaping several, which do involve like hallucinogenic drugs, some of which involve all kinds of, you know, mind control technologies and techniques, information, information, but he was what a British secret service agent. He's kidnapped the people around him. Here's where we see this intersecting net nexus, right? So just, I want to state that, I talk about infiltration, the United States or Europe. There's an overarching hierarchy that was stat or particular power centers that have always been outside of this. And they were connected at the beginning um, of this and have continued. So, you know, it doesn't mean that the... So, but there's always had so much more advanced and much more subtle methods, right? Instead of just arming a bunch of crazy gorillas with some coked up, you know, propped up leader, like, you know, that goes to acting school, you know, just to run or like some Zelensky type human clown that plays piano with his, his thingamajig. Uh, I mean, it's like, but, but these people are perfect. They're coked up. They're completely yeah. ego driven. They want the power. They're yeah. they're grabbing like Leary. How many lives do you think he dile- d- directly contributed to being totally destroyed from taking LSD? Even two or three or four steps removed. It. I would say probably. I'm just a total guesstimate. I would say at least in the thousands, if not tens of thousands. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, he was he was a heavy drug user. He almost was like on par with like supposedly Lennon, like Leary at the last stages on his way out. LSD, um, what is it? The balloons are full of um, what's nitrous. The stuff nitrous oxide, weed, just weed, drugs, everything like that was his way out. That's once he realized, I think he died of like cancer or something like that. But yeah, I think there's actually a documentary of of him. Uh, on his last days but heavy duty user of all kinds of different stuff cool well we can move on i'll just get through a few more of these okay oh we're getting probably getting a little bit further on here so margaret Um, mead and bateson yeah they keep popping up nlp keeps popping up in my research too okay so yeah so cybernetics this is just an example of how cybernetics stuff was purportedly kind of discredited, sort of passe, disappeared in the United States. Russia continued with all this work, but this ties into everybody. Cerebral inhibition from the first Macy conference, you know, cerebral inhibition, meaning hypnosis affecting, which is one of the major um, 
uh, of the work done in Russia, you can't confuse someone mentally, but you can also use language, which is kind of what NLP is. You're using language and as a means to directly affect the human processing and consciousness or ability to be conscious or not conscious, et cetera. So that's really important. And because it's able to work on neurophysiological symptoms that are generally speaking, pre verbal and with this over-reliance on lexical thinking and thought, I mean, talking to yourself in your head, this is promoted losing that visual or right, right half of the brain with the imagination you're kind of at the mercy of a lot of these things. And that's how people don't can get caught up with a clown like Larry. They don't have the discernment to recognize that you're not getting enlightenment from this drug, even as an argument. What if everybody and Huxley, of course, many people argued for this, but he was the main progenitor. Is it everyone is high on this drug? All the problems of the world are just going to disappear. And but don't worry about the problems. Just go in your own head, man. You know, put on the Grateful Dead and just go on psychedelic journeys. Yeah, the, my favorite is like the, the uh, South Park one where they are. There's the fish concert where they're like, we're against the man, but they're all just getting wasted and high. I guess fish is the the carry on from the dead, right? I guess fish is the next band, but yeah, fi- really fish funny. A really funny South Park episode, kind of that fits that, like where they're clearly not doing anything; they're just getting high, self egoistically getting high as a kite. Well, it's really intense drug use. In in as far as I, what I've heard in my in fish concerts, yeah, fish was yeah, like a, a, even a step above Grateful Dead uh, in terms of that. Um, I'm I'm gonna be right back. You can just continue. Yeah, no problem. I actually just I let me see if I can finally take take a break. Sure. I, I was watching this fish concert just to the audience, and it wasn't a fish concert. It was a guy like who poked his eyes out at a fish concert. He was so high, and I don't know, you know, if you want to show that. I don't know if I want to show that on this show, but it's dangerous, man. There's some heavy duty drugs out there, especially if you're mixing drugs. But like a lot of people go into that thinking these are harmless, and it's just not the case. Like I've known people who are not the same after following the dead and you know, using a lot of psychedelics are just, it's why it's called acid, right? Because you get kind of acid wash, acid, acid bread. But I've come across NLP. I don't know if people have heard my show. I did a show on, it was a show that was uh, about the communication between George Estabrooks and J. Edgar Hoover in 1935, 1936 about hypnosis. But one of the other people that was involved kind of in their communication was a guy, a lot of people may not know his name, but it was Erickson was his last name. Really a super genius, really smart guy, psychiatrist, but the developer of NLP. And so this is all kind of pre-MKUltra. MKUltra's starting point is known, 1953, right? And you had the precursors, which are Artichoke and Bluebird. I'm talking about I'm talking about Erickson. I don't know if you've heard the name Erickson, but he oh, was Milton a big, Erickson. Yeah, yeah, Milton yeah. Erickson. Yeah, he's he the was, founder of NLP. He really was the guy who kind of. Well, I mean, NLP was, you know, it was a hybrid, right? Between you have Bandler and Grinder, so Virginia, uh, Virginia Satir. You have Bateson stuff primarily, which is he's a very interesting character because 
both him and Margaret Mead, a lot of what they did was, you know, was behind the scenes. Interesting. Uh, it, it, but language, you know, related to language conditioning, conversation stuff. A lot of Bateson's books are just, I've got all of his lectures and he's kind of like a leery, but a maybe much more sedate British version of, of Leary. And, but he doesn't really say anything, but he's, this is Ericksonian hypnosis. You embed the command structure in the discourse subtly, and you can do it by changing rate of speech, by emphasizing certain words, and also creating, um, you know, if you, I've got all these uh, pretty funny, like self-help, self-hypnosis tapes done by Bandler in like the 80s when he's completely, he does all the music. It's just, and he, I think he's like whacked out on coke. You know, it's completely, it's, and super psychedelic. You can see him in the studio, you know, the voice is going here and there and just really trippy uh, stuff. But even his speeches, he'll talk and he'll just bring up these stories that they're almost like non sequitur. They're entertaining, but even kind of like the way Leary is discoursing, there's not really a coherent thread, but there is there are they can within that kind of discourse, especially which is Ericksonian hypnosis, primarily is that you can in, in you can create a very powerful hypnotic state where people right. are not even aware of it. Not no. <laughs> and <clears throat> these kind of some of these kind of blither blather, like Leary, it's all sunshine, but even that 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 butterfly. And when he says the butterfly, the colorful right, the monarch, right? Monarch it's, program. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> monarch so, program right in front of your face. Like yeah. how much does he know? He was a psychologist, right? So he has to be kind of privy or at least exposed to he knows Huxley, right? So he knows the ultimate revolution. He has to know he's affiliated with the CIA. He has to know at least a glimmer of some of this stuff. Esther, Esther Brooks, uh, Milt Erickson, all that stuff. I mean, he's gotta know some of it. And he, that stuff, you know, was around. I'm sure, you know, it, there's a lot of Harvard. He was he was part of the Human Ecology Fund, right? So that's what was financing a lot of this MK Ultra stuff in the '60s. He and, and was Bates, associated with it. And Bateson, you know, helped to in a certain way. Bateson gave the theoretical or structural grounding for Ericksonian hypnosis. How does wow. it work? Wow. Why does it work? Um, and Milton Erickson well, I, was just to interrupt, but to, on Erickson is interesting because it's interesting we're talking about this because I did. There was it was uh Black Vault, I think, is the, the website that does all of these FOIA things. And there were the FOIA Esther Books. Oh, it was actually J. Edgar Hoover's file, but it was or Esther Books's FBI file. And there was this huge correspondence between George Esther Brooks and J. Edgar Hoover about hypnosis in 1935. That's when it starts. So um, Air, uh, Esther Brooks is at Colgate, right? Upstate New York. I think he's in Hamilton or Hamilton, New York. But he's talking and there's heavy correspondence, right? This is pre-internet. There's back and forth. And all the heads of the FBI are CC'd on these on these conversations where Esther Brooks is trying to explain to these FBI bigwigs about the importance of hypnosis and the ability to apply it or apply it into investigative police work, right? And then it like changes and then Milton Erickson gets involved. And so then it expands into the whole heads of the FBI and all these other mind control doctors or all these other 
kind of psychologists. And then, and then it clicks with uh, J. Edgar Hoover. He starts, well, if you can do this, what can you do for malevolent purposes? So the light goes off in J. Edgar Hoover's head in 1936 or 1937. He gets it. He understands Esterbrook. So when you see J. Edgar Hoover in the 60s, he knows everything about hypnosis and mind control, or at least from the Esterbrook's perspective at that time. And uh, it's really something else that Erickson pops in there. So people are exposed, like more exposed to NLP than they might even comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, NLP is, is, is something that it becomes like a buzzword and people don't really know what it is and don't really understand the principles, techniques, theories, and practices. I have some of the original publications and the hard, you know, leather bound editions. And it has all, they're all mathematical formulas on how this, how this stuff works. It's not like, you know, famous NLP books like frogs and the princes, which are, and, and, you know, variety of other books uh, that are, they're just dialogues, right? It's just him talking to patients, which is exactly like Bateson's writings, which is like the cybernetic stuff, but they just, they just, have these dialogues, right? Conversations, which I always never got much out of. But, you know, then you have your third, fourth generation because the self-help, it goes into this, that. and But the real foundational stuff was, you know, really it's this information systems theory also, right? So it's, it's this, you know, noise, signal noise ratio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then... Um, Anyways, and so, of course, the information system theory ties into the global brain, which Mr. Klaus Schwab is just talking about again. And, of course, this, you know, idea, nothing new under the sun or things are new under the sun. But, you know, you mentioned that stuff, research on hypnosis, and I forget the name of the source. I'll have to track it down again. But they're, this guy's talking about sort of Manchurian candidates type of people with dissociative identities that can be triggered upon command, either as document couriers, as assassins. Esterbrooks. Yeah. And and like World War One. Right. Right. They're doing this World War One as Esterbrooks, right? And there's a there's a guy Esterbrooks is early. So he you gotta go back to Esterbrooks if you want to understand MP Ultra CIA. Esterbrooks is really close to the beginning in Pavlov. And then maybe back to Mesmer, like you're like going back into the 19th century. But Esther Burks said that they advanced under him hypnosis and the understanding of hypnosis. Like there were radical advances within 10, 10 years in the 40s. But, you know, I'm, I'm referring to someone who is like Charlie Charles. He said he was sort of a victim of Esther Brooks program. So it's sort of like a, and it's in, I think 19, it's like early thirties that he, yeah, make perfect sense. Yeah. And so that's, there were experiments they're doing like, that's the interesting, this interplay between Hoover and Estabrooks isn't like some kind of benign, like dry interplay. They're exchanging information. Estabrooks is telling them about all of their like experiments. He's talking about how he's hypnotized. He's hypnotizing people in front of the FBI bigwigs. Like, so it's a much richer dialogue of, of exchanging of information, right? And Esther Brooks, like in, I think, Hypnosis, his book Hypnosis, he flat out says, like, the control of hypnosis will be the next tool of world control that can change history. Like, I think he understood it. I think he understood it. And for me, I've said this in other shows, hypnosis is the Rosetta Stone for the post-World War II 
American empire in America. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And it pervades so many stories, Process Church, Manson, all of the assassins, 9-11. It's all kind of hypnotic trance. Uh, there's a lot of specifics and things like this. Fairy, I just did a show on Fairy using post-hypnotic suggestion. People overlook all this stuff. I mean, it's off the charts. It's every, it's all, it's in involved in so many important events that it, it would, it shocks, it boggles the mind really, it really does. Well, you know, as I mentioned, you know, hypnosis, we have a word, but just like NLP, what's the actual understanding of what hypnosis is? How is it misdefined or how is it defined in a way you know, Las Vegas show, something like that, or someone actually walking around like a robot. Well, right, right. How many sure. of those people on on uh, psych meds on this fluorohydroxyfluorochloroquine or whatever, whatever they call it these days, are under hypnosis? How many of those people have shot people under the use of so-called quote antidepressants unquote? Like it's mislabeled, just like everything else in big pharma. So you literally, if you take an antidepressant, you may be in a hypnotic state. Like that should scare the living daylights out of everybody. And so many, there's a clear correlation. The media's de de denied it, but the media is a lie factory. It's a mockingbird media. But there's a correlation between the shooters and it taking antidepressants because it puts you in a weird fugue state, just like hypnosis. Well, yeah, and so hypnosis, like I mentioned that uh, Margaret Mead, you know, the cerebral inhibition conference, which it's, I think it's impossible to find those proceedings, or I've never been able to, but it was called cerebral inhibition, which is we then we get into Beeksy, right? So he's also connected. And, and so this is uh, this is cerebral inhibition. Who this is, is this? sensory What's inhibition. His name? Bateson or something? No, else? no, no, no. B E K. Um, B E K E S Y. B Bekezy. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So this is, or research in the 1920s, 1930s that continued. This is, so hypnotic state, this state, you can be in a permanent hypnotic state and not even recognize it. Most of it is unrecognized. Okay. It has to do with also this inhibition of sensory inputs from the outside of things like that um so this guy by using a strobe photography and silver flakes as a mark marker he could move make move surface wave and stimulated by sound because of the structure of the cochlea that's the eye right mm -hmm. different frequencies of sound cause maximum amplitudes of the waves to occur at different places on the basilar membrane along the coil of the cochlea High frequencies can cause more vibration at the base of the cochlea when low frequencies create more vibration at the apex. Wow, crazy. Physiology. The real important right. people are physiologists. You know, wow, none of the BS that can be inherent or misinformation in psychology. These guys are doing hard science. So he was in Hungary, right? Connected with Lukas, right. part of the Soviet Union. But really important research and fundamental and not very well known anymore at all. I never heard that name. I'm not familiar with him at all. But that's like ties in with you, right? Sound, the influence of sound and, and frequency and things like that. And and just start. It's really the starting off of our our conversation tonight was these positive, negative frequencies or this 
hidden influence influence of frequencies and sound, right? Yeah. Well, one, you know, obviously aspect of that, but this is just one example that really can start to clarify what hypnosis is and how we have a a big part of this is creating a disconnective state of not being able to recognize what state you're actually in. Good point. And with especially if you are under or in some kind of a trance state by very definition it's going to be a closed system loop right so unless you're able to have the sensory acuity right not disordering your senses by taking lsd but really you know heightening your perception getting much more clear and accurate perception not but yeah esther brooks so but I want to I want to quote we'll say this quote people should screenshot this for their own uh reference but basically George Hoban Estabrooks died in 1973 Canadian American psychologist Harvard University graduate Rhodes scholar chairman of the Department of Psychology at Colgate University and authority on hypnosis during World War II he is known for hypno programming US government agents during World War II quote only a people who refuse to permit themselves to sink into intellectual lethargy and conform conformity only a people who question and think can be sure that hypnosis disguised or direct will will not undermine their freedom and rob them of their very lives. Screenshot that. He was not kidding. This is no joke. Well, yeah, this is, um, uh, you know, it's all being applied. So let me just yeah. finish up this first little thing here. So cyber... I've got about five. I think we should just do a part two or plan on doing a part two because we're almost at the 90 minute mark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can just, this may be yeah. a good stopping off point. And maybe we should bring in, bring in Erickson into the next conversation and do, do a little bit more on Erickson because sure. This yeah. is it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I have like cyber sin, um, which is cyber sin, which was a rollout almost of a completely of the global brain, right? In, uh, I end is Chile connected with, uh, Macy conference types of people with these, a lot of these were like me, Bateson, et cetera. They're all were fellow travelers like HG Wells, right? They're connected with the worldwide socialist movement. Um, and you just hit one more slide here. I already talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you keyed into what is defining hypnosis, right? Because they know that this phenomenon exists, but almost every researcher it has to define it, right? Something's going on, accessibility in the brain and the, the subconscious and things. Like, not everybody's hypnotizable, but the, even the specialists have trouble or had to really go in and define it with specificity. It's it's really interesting, like this phenomenon, but let's go there. Well, I think, here's the thing. This phenomenon becomes obscured as to what it actually is, and then it becomes normalized, it be, then it becomes a self-regulating process where you self-induce. Going back right. to that Grateful Dead playing at that, you know, the, the, the Hate Ashbury. Right. Look at those people. They look like hypnotic subjects, right? Yes. They're, they're in a trance. Yeah. They're in, in a trance. But, and that's, as we go further into this, we'll see that the uh, the understanding of this within the collect within collective human resonant group structures 
within psychological structures, going back to some of the stuff like Tesla, Ether, some of these things. Right. You, to understand some of these forces just because it's invisible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. If right. it's framed out of your framed out of your existence, so you don't even know. Right. They're what, not gonna say we are gonna hypnotize you now, Hans. Ready? Look into the TV screen. How many people, what the TV is a hypnotized state. It's a, some form of state. And imagine, like you say, the effect upon humanity. Look at the people who watch a lot of TV and people who don't. They almost can't relate to each other. Like, I don't watch TV that often. Maybe I'll watch a streaming thing. But I don't understand the people who watch TV very well. I don't, we, I don't, I don't sync with them. Whereas I think that the TV watchers who get their media and news from TV, they sync up with each other. Isn't that weird? Like that's, it's like a parsing of the human, human society. It's odd. Yeah. Well, no, well, we'll get eventually if we, depending on how far we're going with this, we'll get into this an exact explanation of how and why this works and how it's implemented and how it's understood, but only by a very limited, very limited, you know, people really have this full degree of understanding. So right. certain types of information, say, let's look at the actual physiological aspect of hypnotism, not just the language, not just this. That's one level. Um, television. Exactly. A lot of research on television, especially done in the late 60s, early 70s. Nothing commensurate at all with modern media, with cell phones. Nothing has really gone into this. Video games, much higher level amplitude. But television, some of the research you know, said that you go into an altered state that can last for up to two weeks for watching television for several hours. And... It's encoding everything you're seeing. It's almost like a film or a filter that, so this is the thing. And then also, as you mentioned, which is uh, part of this is that the normalization, the collective, so there's also a collective entrainment process. There is also the normal, un, generally speaking, you know, kind of, unconscious or semi-unconscious of modeling or mirroring others around you so you yes. blend in yes. yes and that itself can induce starting you can act if you're around a bunch of people that are angry you start acting like you're angry there's a good chance you're actually going to become angry right or right. Be- it's right it's really amazing and i you know when you're saying that it makes me re i read this one book by one of these mind control psychiatrists or psychologists and the first chapter was how much of your personality is really your own? And it's a really important question because how much of that is being programmed into you? Literally TV programming, the word programming overlaps with hypnotist, hypnotism words, right? Hypnotism terminology. Like how much of this is like you're becoming like a conspicuous consumer like Thorstein Veblen or whatever. Like how much of that is really your personality? And you see these people who are clearly just aping things on television. Like I've been around them. Like they've actually been programmed. Like when the in the law, there are people from my generation who watched L.A. Law. And they literally went to law school because of L.A. Law. And then they emulated the drama in L.A. Law. Like I could see them and yeah. they reference the show. And I'd be like, you talking about like i never watch la law i don't know what you're talking about but it was interesting because it was like they were living out this program just like you said the something that had been entrained into them and the thing is that you know there's so many well 
you know, so many different layers to this, but one of right. them is that the, so you have an overlay. You've been inducted into a type of a waking dream. You're not aware that you're actually in a waking dream. And you, but then also a lot of these things, you know, to sort of wake up or snap out requires some kind of inner will, inner decision, inner recognition. More often than not, well, it can be through some amazing ecstatic, you know, it could be some divine revelation, some spiritual experience. More often than not, it's a gradual breakdown of meaning of of your life or, or even just witnessing other people, seeing that's unfortunately, you know, we all, it's not that this is going to kill you, just recognizing because we've all been affected to it. We've grown up in this environment, but right. like, like these shows, it creates a collective identity, but also right. an example I, I noticed on, you know, a number of shows. Well, one thing there's this theme of, oh, it was all a dream. It's all a virtual reality simulation. You know, so many shows, movies, you know, they, they go to this, this thing. It's this, you know, okay, that's, that's one thing, uh, which is okay. You actually are it. You are you. Most people have been inducted into this because they they have become who they actually are. Their own inner essence has been so co-opted and so diminished or else so infused into these these. This is it's just like the DID programming, you know, yeah. where you have these all are, these are high hypnotism terms, induction and hypnosis. You're inducing hypnotism. That's yeah. the goal. That's the calming voice. Hans, you're in a quiet room. I'm not gonna go. I know some about it, but I'm not gonna do it. But I mean, that's kind of what they're doing. They're trying to induce this hypnotic state or whatever. That's what's really scary, is the is how many people are in there. And that Walter Bowen Bower book that I read from recently, like you said, the whole population's a, under some type of hypnotic attack, but they're just not aware of it. Yeah, the board is quite interesting. He's very important. But but one thing is that, so you can't recognize it. And then the state, when you go around people that are not, you're not in the state that they're in. You you found you go to like a, uh, some venue or even someone's house, a party, people are watching television, people are watching a game, and there's almost like there could be almost a reaction. Yeah, no, because like, you're not under the like control. A, and, like and a conditioned so, response, right? Why don't you watching this TV? One of the interesting things go for people who are listening, they should just go walk around at night and just look, you know, just not be a you know, creepy, but just walk on the sidewalk and watch how many people. Their rooms are flashing from the TV for whatever it is, an ad or something like that. They're literally allowing themselves to be zapped by these TV shows, flashing lights and all that stuff. And you don't think this whole country is not influenced by hypnotism? You are naive, bro. Sorry. Well, it's a 25th frame, right? So so you have not only you have photic driving, all kinds of different optical things. You have all the symbolic meaning, language. So what I'm positing, I don't want to get freak people out too much but if you see like that you know i think uh like fritz springmeyer talks about that whatever his validity he did some information but in terms of also there was other stuff that came out about that in you know 80s 90s about how the, the human mind would be fractured into this grid of all these different sort of sub personalities and you have self-destruct personality you have this personality you have that you have particular functional states you also have circumstantially triggered personalities 
how many times people have these kind of grids programmed, they're going to respond in certain situations in relationships is, I don't know if the, I, I honestly, I've never seen LA law, but people that create drama for no reason. Right. Right. Drama creation is another thing. Like that's from your TV. And you and think that's it's, a very common thing. Like some people are stuck in families with drama creation and they don't know why it's like that. They're getting it from programming from the TV. And they create it. They bring that to their work. They bring that to situations. There's no reason to have any drama or else this acting out, no emotional regulation. You feel something, you just got to blah. And, and, or else just this really totally eye centered, totally ego centric, you know, where you don't care about anybody else really, but you are still completely under a hypnotic induction. Um, anyways, it gets really scary, uh, but Hans, we are at the 90 minute mark. I got to, unfortunately got to wrap up. Yes. I'd love to do a part two, another great conversation, great information. Can you promote your show again this Friday, March 8th, before we wrap it up? Yeah. So Friday, March 8th in New York city in Queens, the time is it's it, for whatever reason, the ticket thing says Pacific standard time is Eastern standard time. So it's like seven, seven to like eight thirty or nine or something. And it where's the the theater? I, I don't know. Thompson, Thompson Avenue, Avenue in Long Island City, New York. Yeah. So if you can, please come out. Uh, it'd be great and yeah. help support the arts. And it's much know. better than being at home watching TV. You can go into a place and get some positive sonic vibrations, right, and relieve stress. That's the thing about a sitar. It's super relaxing, right? It's not like uh, you're listening to Tool or something like that. And it's this is a. It's not just a sitar, it's singing and dancing as well. So you get some uh, Eastern culture too. So check that out. I'll put a link to the show notes where you can buy tickets if you're in the New York area. Please go check it out. And then I'll also put links to the MK Ultra shows, the eight-part show we did, which was very well received. And also to your website, right? You just upgraded your website. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. It's it's getting there. So it's, it's cool. It's yep. Dr. Hans Uter. Is that correct? U-T-T-E-R? Uh, my website is just hansutter.com. Hans Uter, sorry. Okay, sorry. Hans Uter. And then today's talk, which we covered a lot of territory, is Advanced Soviet Research on Cybernetics, Biofield Energetics, and Cognitive Restructuring with Dr. Hans Uter. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, William. Have a great Thank evening. You. you as yeah. well. Take care. Take care.